Welcome back, everyone, for season two of All Creatures Great and Small. Hi, everyone. Today we're talking about episode three, We Can But Hope. So how did this episode make you feel, Beth? It made me feel really good. Yeah? Well, Tricky came back, so that always makes me feel good. (laughs) Any episode with Tricky is a good episode. Yeah. How about you, Christina? How did you feel? Uh, Warm and fuzzy. And uh, for the romance and also because it seems like Siegfried and Tristan are finally like starting to build a brother relationship. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's a struggle, but it's happening. It's always a struggle with them, too. (laughs) Before we get into this, we want to remind you that we want to hear from you. Why do you like watching all creatures? Are you into the adorable animals? Do you love the scenery? Interested in filmmaking? Send us your thoughts at postscript at WITF.org. That's P-O-S-T-S-C-R-I-P-T at WITF.org. And if you'd like to be featured on Postscript when we cover Season 3, send us a short video or voice note telling us why you love All Creatures Great and Small. We're always excited to hear from you. All right, Beth, are you ready to dive into this episode? Of course I am. Please (laughs) tell us. I'm so excited. So in this episode, overall, we have James and Helen having their first tiff when medical advice and traditional farming um, wisdom don't match up. And Mm -hmm. Tricky Woo get both the Farnan brothers in trouble. And like some generational wounds appear to be healing between, like I mentioned, Siegfried and Tristan. Yeah. Um, We start off. With very sad music, and I was like, oh, no, who died? I thought the same thing. And then I was really distracted by Tristan's hat. Were you? Yeah. (laughs) I looked at Tristan, and he looks like he was wearing a pilgrim hat. It pulled me out for a minute. I don't know. I don't know. It's like I I noticed this thing. Something broke in my brain. But we are sad because Mrs. Dalby's husband, Billy, died of cancer. Mm-hmm. We find out that she's now in charge of the farm. And she struggles a little bit. A little bit, a little bit. Yeah. Well, she um, was never in charge of the farm. Right. She was, was never in charge. Billy ran the whole farm for himself. It was his farm. Yeah. She married into it. Yeah. Um, she calls James out to the house because their cows are having trouble breathing. And James says they have husk. Which is a parasite that infects the bronchial tubes and causes bronchitis. See, what I know about husk is like husking corn. Right. That's, that's about the <laughs> level of husk I know. Yeah. So when he said husk, I was like, what? <laughs> I was very thankful they explained that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm glad they explained it too because I'd just be like, okay, something's wrong with the cows. Oh, no, they can't breathe. Yeah, I didn't then, know that it was like super serious. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. I thought it was like, oh, they'll be fine. Just a little flu. I'll yeah, back. yeah. Well, apparently it can be. A, it can be not a big deal. It can be a mild case, but in this case, it is not because when your husband dies, everything else goes down the tubes too. Yeah, yeah. It's just you know bad luck after bad luck. Three, three. It's the rule of three, so, right? Three things at a time. Oh yeah, that is the rule. Yeah. So <laughs> James is invited in for a tea. A strong tea. She she mentions that she hopes she didn't make it too strong for him, mm-hmm. and he prescribes the cows. K and high protein cake, which are very expensive things and will cut into their winter food. And uh, Mrs. Dalby uh, doesn't really have the money for hay and cake, uh, but they can never eat the grass again. Like well, this farm yeah. is forever tainted. Well, the grass is infected. Yeah, it's, it's too infested. Yeah. Uh, so she sends the kids to go out to have a kickabout, and she references a soccer star named Gordon Hodgson. Yes, I actually did oh. a closer look on him. Okay. Because I love soccer. I've played my whole life. It's my favorite sport. 
um, up there with basketball. And so I was like, hmm, is this a so-? Well, she said, go kick about. And I was like, is this a soccer or football reference? Like, I'm very interested. Right. So Gordon Hodgson, he was born in April 16th, 1904. And he passed away in June 19th, June 14th, 1951. So he's only 47 years old. Oh, wow. Yeah, very young. He was born in Johannesburg, Transvaal Colony. I think I said that right. Transvaal. Let's say it's two A's. Okay. I don't know. Somebody correct me. <laughs> Sorry. Um, and he was best known as the striker for Liverpool and a fast bowler for Lancashire. He won two international caps for South Africa and three for England. So okay. an international cap. Of course, I had to look so at that. So he's like an international a, superstar. Yeah. So a cap is a player's appearance in a game at international level. And in the early days of football or soccer, the concept of each team wearing a set of matching shirts had not been universally adopted. So oh. they would wear matching caps. You mean like hats? Yeah, It's like a hat. Yeah, hat. a cap. A hat. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. That's why I was like, a cap? What is this thing? So they're really cool looking. Okay. <laughs> Um, Hodgson scored 241 goals in 377 appearances for the Anfield Club. And then he held the goal-scoring record at Liverpool until Roger Hunt broke it in the 1960s. Oh, wow. Okay. That's a long time. time. And Liverpool Football Club is a football club that competes in the Premier League, the top tier of English football. And it was founded in 1892. And they play its games at Anfield Yeah, sorry. Anfield. I was like awkwardly (laughs) ended that sentence, but that's okay. That's fine. And then when I was doing this, I was like, oh my gosh, do you watch Ted Lasso? I don't, but I've been wanting to you start should. watching it. It's all about soccer and football. Oh, okay. So like, well, I don't, I don't yeah, know. It was a good one. It was a good one. <laughs> I'll have to check it out. Yeah. Um, anyway, she sends the kids out because she wants to get, she wants to talk serious things. And yes. you don't talk serious things in front of kids. 100%. And she asks James if he thinks that they can save the the cows. And he says, well, we can always hope. And she shares that her belly was ever the optimist as well and reminds him that, uh, uh, time is fleeting. It's very, very bittersweet, but mm-hmm. she she wants to know the truth and what she's up against. Uh, later in the episode, James returns to check on the cows and her her uh, little boy, Billy, says that he helped to pay for the cake mm-hmm. uh, because he's the man of the house now. Later on, he says he's the man of the house. He's a cutie pie. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, but when he leaves, she said he didn't really help. She dipped into the savings to do it, but she doesn't have the heart to tell him that Aww. it was just not enough. Um, the farmhand suggests that James try a throat injection, which is apparently a mix of chloroform, turpentine, and creosote. Um, um, I actually wanted to do a closer look on that. Okay. <laughs> and so I looked at it, and there was nothing. I couldn't find anything. No? Literally nothing. <laughs> Literally <laughs> nothing about throat injections? Yeah, no, it was like really, like some weird stuff came up. I don't know. Okay. Maybe I was Googling the wrong way. <laughs> But anyway, I did find, though, that the 1978 episode, Siegfried Farnan says, chloroform to stupefy the worms, turpentine to kill them, and creosote to cause the cough that expels them. Oh, that's okay. The, that's the reasoning behind why this should work. Okay. But there's no guarantee it There's will no work. guarantee. But that's the reasoning that Siegfried <laughs> but, from the old show, but you know, we can, gave. We can always hope. The we can always hope. The theme oh, is yeah. always hoping. Always hoping. Um, before he leaves, we find out one of the cows has died. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is when Mrs. Dalby kind of breaks down and confesses that she's not the farmer Billy was. And she feels like she's letting him down. 
Uh, what if my best isn't good enough? And James says, what you're trying to do here is hard. Anyone would doubt themselves. So he knows what she's up against and he feels yeah. really bad about it. Um, and then the next time he visits, they've lost another cow. Like things just keep progressingly getting worse. Yeah. Um, and they aren't improving. Mrs. Dalby wants to send the cows back outside thinking the fresh air would like help them out. But James says no. He suggests that she cut her losses and sell the farm. Um and because they've tried everything now. And there's a very real chance, he says, there's a very real chance that you could lose the entire herd. And she said, so there's a chance we might not then. She's trying to stay Just as optimistic as possible. so hard. And he, he says he doesn't want to give her false hope. And she says, there's nothing false about hope, Mr. Harriet. I thought that was really sweet, too. Yeah. And she says, when I look around, I don't just see the things I've lost. I see things that I have. I see my boys. How much... How much I have well, that's still worth fighting for, essentially. Yeah. That was so, a, I, like, I loved, loved that quote. She's like, it's so insightful. It is. Like, it's so simple, but it's so insightful. Mm-hmm. I lo- well, because sometimes you it. always look off to the grass is always greener right. and you don't really look at what you actually have. And right she's like, nope, I'm looking around and I see what I have is what I want and it's worth and fighting it's, for. Yeah. Yeah. And she kind of implies like she has to save this farm. Yeah. For her husband and by extension, her children. Yeah. So that's exactly. really sweet, too. Um, but before before James leaves, she feeds him a scone because, of course, every episode has some food in it. So mm-hmm. <laughs> you can't go an episode and, without food. No. Yum, yum. <laughs> and as she's um, as James is leaving, Billy says that he's the man of the house now. He's got some Sturks that needs saving. It's so cute. It's yeah, Billy's really cute. Yeah. Have you ever heard of the word Sturks before? I haven't heard of the word Sturks. I was like, oh, Sturks cow. Okay, got it, brain. Yeah, it took <laughs> me a minute and I was like, Sturks, Sturks, Sturks. What is it? But yeah, it's just a cow. It says like uh Google said like between one and two or something like oh, that. Oh, it's like a, an a age young, range, like a toddler cow. A toddler cow. Sturks are toddler cows. Toddlers. Oh, so oh dear lord, toddlers. Yeah, but that's so sad. Yeah, so they're young cows. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so it is a little sad, but yeah. So are you, are you ready for a break? Yeah, I'm ready to take a okay, quick break. Okay, I can take a quick break uh, and then we'll come back and we'll talk about the Skeldale House. Yeah. Support for all creatures, great and small, on Masterpiece is made possible locally by WITF members and by Pleasant View Communities, UPMC, Murray, and Argiers Marathi Neurosurgical Associates of Lancaster. Welcome back to Postscript. Christina, can you tell us all about the Skeldale House, please? Everything that's happening at the Skeldale House. So uh, Tristan is home uh, to listen to the cricket game because he can't afford a ticket, which you laughed at my notes because I had cricket ticket. (laughs) Tristan is home for cricket. He can't afford a a ticket. Uh, Tristan, I mean, Siegfried is mad that Tristan ate the last egg because he's literally working his trousers off while Tris eats his, his food. I know. So listen, <laughs> while he's taking his trousers off, did you see that? <laughs> Sorry. While Siegfried is stripping, yeah. let's talk about that. Did you notice the arm bands I around did. his arms? Yeah. So I did a closer look. Okay. But I want to know, what, what do you they? think they're for? Um... I don't know. I feel like it would hold your sleeves down when you have like a long sleeve shirt or like I need it for when I'm wearing a T-shirt underneath a sweater because I can't stand it when my my, sh- my shirt <laughs> bunches up under my sweater. It drives me crazy. Okay. So you're like 
semi on the right path. Okay. All right. So <laughs> sleeve garters, they're they're called sleeve garters. Okay. Yeah. So armbands that I call them are <laughs> called band. sleeve garters. <laughs> and men wear them on their dress shirts. And they wear them because they can order like a ready-made shirt. Okay. And when they're ready-made, it's a single sleeve length. So the sleeve length is extra long. Okay. So the sleeve garter keeps their sleeve up more oh. so that their cuffs don't get like soiled and messed up. Oh, that's kind of handy. Yeah, so it keeps it on a, a nice length because nice it's an extra long. Yeah. So if you ever order like... So it shortens, it custom builds your shirt, It's just kind of like, hey, let me roll my sleeve up a little bit and okay. hold it up on the arm. Gosh, I wish people could see us. <laughs> so I'm describing with my arm to So Christina. you pull the sleeve up. And like, it kind of holds it in place. Yeah. So, okay. like, if your sleeve is super long and it's, like, over, over your, your fingers, yeah. you just pull it up and put the band on around oh, above oh, your oh, elbow. Over, okay. Okay. So that it holds it up. And then when you're wearing your jacket and stuff, it's just, it, it doesn't, it like, fall like down. It looks like it's perfectly tailored like for you. Exactly. But it's not tailored. Okay. It's just like that. Right. Because of okay. the arm band sleeve So it garter. makes you look fancier than you really are. You have a secret underneath that. It's a secret. Yeah. You're right. <laughs> You're right. So if secret. you ever like uh, for bridesmaids or actually groomsmen now too, they make the like length of the dress like super long and the length of the pants super long. And okay. then you have to go get it tailored. tailored to you. But they make them super long because everybody like some people are just so tall. Right. And you can take fabric yeah. off, but you can't you add can't fabric. You can't add it on. <laughs> That's what it is. Oh, it's right. pretty interesting. I just was like, why? Because Tristan had it in the other, like on in season one, he had oh, them on, okay. and I was I like, what is that? that? Okay. It's just very curious about these armbands because they came back. <laughs> yeah, but now they're called sleeve garters, and I still call them armbands. Armbands. Yeah, <laughs> get us back. <laughs> so okay, so we're we're at Scaledale House. Um, Tristan's kind of lazing around. He's looking for a day off to watch cricket. Uh, and Siegfried's like, well, what about what about polishing the equipment? What about topping off the medicine? And uh, Tristan's just like, already done, already done. Runs and away. So he, go, he goes, runs off to listen to cricket. And Mrs. Hall um, tells Siegfried, don't you think Tristan deserves a day off now that he's passed his exams and all? Knowingly. I love like, it. I love her. Um, so later, Mrs. Hall and Tristan are listen, listening to the cricket game together. And uh, the doorbell rings. And Siegfried jumps up to answer the door, and two large packages arrive and make a mess in the hall. And we find out that Siegfried has purchased chickens for Tristan to care for. <laughs> and he puts him to work, creating a nest box in the shed. <laughs> but right after that, uh, Tricky Woo comes calling for Uncle Harriet. I was so, so happy that Tricky Woo was back in this episode. <laughs> I love every episode with Tricky Woo. Tricky Woo is just my like absolute favorite. I love how, like, snuggly he looks. Just, I love him. I love Tricky Woo. I want I a dog like Tricky Woo. <laughs> I know. He's so cute. Um, anyways, Tricky Woo needs looking after because Mrs. Pumphrey's off at some cricket matches. And since James isn't home, Siegfried offers to watch him. Uncle Harriet. Well, Mrs. Hall kind of voluntold <laughs> Siegfried to watch him. Uh, when James returns from the Dolbys, he finds Tristan in the shed, and Tristan's upset. James suggests that he stand up to his brother because it worked for him. And Tristan kind of turns it around, and he's, like, naming off these different 
chicken. So one's named Maggie, one's named Brenda. And uh, James <laughs> says, oh, so they're all your ex-girlfriends. He's like, not all of them. And he picks up Helen. He's like, this one's <laughs> Helen. This one's for you, except maybe she'll let you take her out. Oh, and, my gosh. <laughs> and that's when we find out that James asked Helen on a date. And she said, yes, mm-hmm. just super cute. But like a brother, he goes, well, I'll have you know we are going out. <laughs> I'll have you know. So Tristan asks where she he's taking her, and he said probably just to the Drover's Pub. And Tristan's like, oh, no, no, you got to take her to the Reniston, mm-hmm. Reniston because she's used to um, all the fancy things because of Hugh. Women like to be wined and dined, I wrote down. I <laughs> and Tristan kisses Chicken Helen. It was really fun. I just thought that was super <laughs> cute. I made a note of that. He's such like a little brother. <laughs> it's adorable. Uh, the next morning, James is still awake after pulling an all-nighter, trying to find something to help Mrs. Dalby. And he's just really stressed out also about not being able to help back help out more at home. Mm-hmm. And um, Did you notice his hair was different? <laughs> I, di- I didn't, like, mentally actually make a note of it. But, yes, his hair is different. He yeah. looks tired. <laughs> he looks tired. But, like, his, he looks he's a cutie pie when he's tired. Like, yeah, he's got he is, the he's hair in front of his face instead of all slicked back. Yeah. And it's just, like... You can actually see how young he is. Like, oh, yeah, he looks so college, much younger. Pulling the all-nighter that he's probably fairly recently used to. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyways, Siegfried comes in. He asks James, well, what have you done? And he says, well, the cows are off the field, but he's just determined to find out how he can actually fix these cows. And Siegfried asks if he's given the cows a throat injection, which we talked about. And uh, James kind of counters with it's just an old farmer's tale. And um Siegfried's like, oh, don't say that to their faces. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we also see Tricky Wu later in the episode following Siegfried around like a shadow, and he's really annoyed. Uh, she's growing on him like a fungus. I love that. <laughs> I was like, like a fungus? Like a I'll fungus. I'll take Tricky Wu be my fungus <laughs> any oh my day. Gosh, I know. Just a little dog following you around with its little fluff butt. I know. He's love so it. cute. <laughs> Um, Tristan checks on his chickens, but they're not laying any eggs in the nest box. And uh, Tristan insists on doing it himself because Siegfried tries to jump in and tell him everything he's doing wrong. Mm-hmm. He's like, nope, you put me in charge of this. I'm doing it. And as um, Tristan is leaving, Tricky Woo runs into the mm-hmm. hen house and we hear this little kind of squeak thing. Yeah. And we find out that uh, Tricky Woo got pecked. Because the hens are like, get out. Right. Leave I mean, my the home alone. Size of the hen. Know, it's like the same size. <laughs> um, and in his in his rush, Siegfried grabs Tricky Woo and heads back to like fix up her little pet cut. And uh, you noticed that he yeah. left the door open. I did not notice it until later that like I didn't put two and two together. That's okay. Sometimes <sighs> you just like notice. I mean, I was really staring at Tricky Woo. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Well, I focus in on Tricky Woo and we're concerned about her. Exactly. Uh, him. Uh, the farmers, we find out at Skeldale House also that the farmers at Drover's think that Phyllis can't run the farm on her own. Mrs. Hall sticks up for her because yeah. way to go. Mrs. Hall is like, no, nah, she can do it on her. She can do this. Mm-hmm. And uh, Mrs. Hall sends James off uh, on his date with Helen and reminds him that it's important that he have fun on his date and get Mm -hmm. to know Helen, which is sweet. 
Uh, but before James gets out the door, one of the townspeople brings uh, one of Tristan's chickens <laughs> home. And so, Tristan <laughs> assumes that he did something wrong and has to sneak it past Siegfried because he thinks it's his fault. Oh, my gosh. So my neighbors have chickens and I just like resonate with the um, one of the villagers that is saying like one of the townspeople, I guess, not villagers. Sorry. Um, <laughs> but one of the townspeople being like, here's your here's your chicken. Like I've taken chickens from my yard, tossed them over the fence, like oh, back into really? the neighbor's yard. I wouldn't even know how to pick up a chicken properly. Oh, you just make sure their wings are down. Oh, okay. But they're so because they're used to they have kids, so they're used to people and okay, like the kids picking them, yeah. them up. So they're not like super skittish. I mean, I've chased these chickens <laughs> around my yard go, go. with my dogs because my dogs are like, I'm gonna get them, and I'm like, no. no so it's like chicken <laughs> running, dog right behind it, and then me and running me, after like, the dog, no. trying to either get, get to the chicken first or the dog. Right. Yeah. One or the other. You got one. Or, I gotta save either one. one will and work. yeah, yeah. Jake really likes. To run after he chickens. The chicken. At least he used to. Now they kind of, if they're they in the yard, he, he stays clear. away. Oh, he does. Oh, they, Did they well, peck him? <laughs> no, he's, okay. he's, I guess, pecked them. Oh, no. He's definitely okay. grabbed he a chicken before. I thought he actually broke one of the chicken's legs. Oh, my gosh. But the chicken was playing possum. Oh, okay. I guess it learned. It, it laid died. there on its side, looking at me with its beady eyes, like, like save me. And I'm like, Jake, no, away. get away. And I get him away. <laughs> he, he got it. And I thought it broke its leg. So I put it on like a board and put it on the my neighbor's porch. Like, sorry. Like, I'm sorry. And then the chicken I, just sat up and well, ran off. <laughs> well, I, I wrote a note, left it on the porch. Oh. And then about like 20 minutes later, 30 minutes later, I look out back and there's another chicken. And I was like, that looks like the same chicken. And then I go over to their house and there's no chicken on the board. (laughs) And I was like, it played possum. (laughs) It played possum to me. I thought my dog broke its leg. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. There's too many chicken stories I could tell you. (laughs) We'll save them because I'm sure the chickens will be back. I'm sure. I'm sure. (laughs) So, uh, yeah. So when Tristan gets to the hen house, it's completely empty. And he just goes, oh, no. <laughs> oh no. Oh no. Uh, later in the episode, more people bring back more chickens too. So, I thought that was funny. Yeah. Um, Siegfried berates Tristan, saying, None are laying eggs and the chickens are escaping. Chicken and, run. Uh, <laughs> tricky woo. Tricky. Is this when Tricky Woo walks in and like looks at him? Oh no. I think that might be a later. That's later. Yeah, but uh, Siegfried realizes that he probably left the gate open, but he's not willing to admit it yet. Yeah. Um, and we find out Siegfried has a date with Diana. So I, Diana's I, still a character. Yeah, that was like slipped in there very it. quickly, yeah. very subtle. <laughs> We're like, Siegfried, good catch. Oh, my gosh. Um, later, James, after James comes back from his date from Helen, like, Mrs. Hall just sent him off to. But James comes back from his date kind of defeated and frustrated, but he doesn't want to talk about it. So they talk about Tristan's woes. And Tristan says he's causing avian anarchy. (laughs) I loved it. Tristan has the best (laughs) one-liners. He does. Um, But he has a plan. He's going to he bought eggs to plant in the nest box. And James says, won't this feel like a shallow victory? And he says, a victory is a victory nonetheless. <laughs> but Tristan, like, dipping over his arm, pulling this, like, little carton of eggs, half dozen <laughs> eggs out, like, with a smile. Like, look at this. Like, I got a plan. Look what I got. <laughs> It was great. And the plan works because Siegfried is super impressed. He is. When he finds eggs in the nest box the next day. Mm-hmm. Um, and James heads off to go back to the Dolbys because he's, he's just worried about not being honest with them. Um, 
And we, oh, I have too much here. No, so let's go back real quick. Siegfried's yeah. impressed by when he finds the eggs. Right. Right? Oh, yeah. But then Tristan... Tristan, oh, Tristan. He owns up. He does own he up. Owns up he owns up in that feel, moment. Well, because, because, yes, because Siegfried says he's done a great job and doesn't, isn't this, wasn't he presents the check? Yes. Right? And says he's done a great yeah. job and he, here's a he week's worth. Been, right. He pays him a week's worth of wages. Then he feels bad. And then Tristan, Tristan owns up. Like, Tristan, old Tristan wouldn't have confessed. Yeah. But he feels guilty and he confesses. He bought the eggs from the grocer and he gives the check back. And that's when Tricky Woo walks in. Yes. Yep. And then, Tricky. well, then he gives a, he gives a check back to Siegfried. Yeah, he does. And Siegfried goes, well, Tricky Woo walks in. We all make mistakes, mistakes. and gives it back. <laughs> and and who said, Mrs. Hall. Oh, what mistakes? She's like, what do you mean? Huh? <laughs> Like, what are you talking about? What, what mistakes? What mistakes Siegfried? are you talking about, Siegfried? This is a turn. This is different. You're and, acting weird. And yes, in, in a moment of growth, mm-hmm. Siegfried also owns up and says, well, I might have been the one that left the gate open in the first place. Mm-hmm. And Mr. Mr. Ingledew shows up with a bunch of <laughs> a basket full of yeah. eggs that he found in his vegetable patch. and. Uh, Siegfried says, perhaps what we've learned from this is that the hens would be better placed with the Ingledews. <laughs> yep. And um, Mrs. Hall says, we all end up where we need to be eventually. Yeah. And then um, Tristan with like his little one-liner to, to Siegfried <laughs> and Mrs. Hall's like, take the check. You better just, take it yeah, quick. <laughs> just take it. Take it now. He's going to get it back from you. <laughs> um, and then the the Farnans and Mrs. Hall, they're all... Listening to cricket together, Siegfried is actually relaxing, and uh, they're, yeah, they're listening to the game. Um, and Mrs. Pumphrey arrives back from the game. She missed some of this game because of uh, she had to come back for Tricky. She caught a whiff of manure, and it made her long for home. <laughs> yeah, she wanted to be back home. She wanted to see Tricky, but she, she missed. Yeah, missed but then um, Siegfried tells her about Hutton. Oh yeah, he says Hutton, Hutton. did it. So I did a closer look. You did. Okay. And Sir Leonard Hutton was born in on June 23rd, 1916, and he passed away September 6th, 1990. He played as the opening batsman for Yorkshire County Cricket Club from 1934 to 1955. And for England, 79 test matches between 1937 and 1955. I'm going to say Wisden. Okay. I think that's the word here. Wisden Cricketers Almanac described him as one of the greatest batsmen in the history of cricket. And in 1938, he set a record for the highest individual endings in a test match, only his sixth test appearance, scoring 364 runs against Australia, a milestone that stood for nearly 20 years. Okay. So he's like at his peak at this yeah. point. Yeah. And earlier they talk about on the radio, they say he's one of the youngest. Okay. So, so it's, early then. And, yeah. So it's pretty interesting that he's young, setting all these records. So like he's a big he's deal. He's a big sports he's a star. big sports star in cricket and they love him. And so it was, it was pretty <laughs> cool to hear all about that yeah, and, I, and look into that. I thought it was interesting, too, that Mrs. Pumphrey's a big fan of cricket. She just she doesn't come across. She's this like fancy lady, but she really likes cricket. Like yeah. She's really into it. Um, Mrs. Hall brings biscuits and tea for Mrs. Pumphrey. And uh, Mrs. Oh Pumphrey gosh. gives gives the biscuit to Tricky Woo, saying it's her uh, his favorite. 
And um, Mrs. Hall said, well, they're for you. And she's like, oh, no, I only eat a Fortnum. <laughs> yes. And but and she like, says Tricky's not like not picky as about picky. his food. He's yeah, not as picky like, as about his food. Mrs. He'll Hall, eat your food. Mrs. Hall is an amazing cook. <laughs> I we know. know this. So she's a little bit insulted, but she she keeps it inside. Yeah. Um, and this is when Siegfried confesses to tri- uh, about Tricky getting a peck from a chicken under his watch. I know. <laughs> and Poor Tricky, Tricky like growls low key at him while he's mm-hmm. doing it. Uh, and <laughs> Mrs. Pumphrey says, Tricky always goes completely cracker dog when there's a chicken in sight. Tricky woo lolly, I call it. <laughs> <That's great. laughs> I was like, what did she say? I rewound it. I'm like, cracker dog. Yep. I did not do a deeper dive on that. That's okay. But I might start calling Nolly a cracker dog when she loses her mind when the mailman comes. I don't That's know what cracker dog idea. means. I'm going to do a dive a before idea. I start using that. But yeah, she goes yeah. completely cracker dog. That's the fifth peck he's had this year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and she suggests maybe it's because he's an only dog. Like he's just a spoiled only child. And I wonder I who spoils him. <laughs> I don't know. That could be it. Um, as they're leaving, um, <laughs> Mrs. Pumphrey is talking to Tricky Woo like he's a person because he is. And she says, the pain of parting is nothing to the joy of meeting again. Yeah. And Tricky Woo kind of like whimpers. And she's like, oh, yes, of course. You just reminded me. And so she presents a thank you gift for Uncle Harriet. Yes. Uh, for all the work for he did. For all the did. work he did. <laughs> a fancy Fortnum basket. I know. So, that yeah. Fortnum basket came through again. <laughs> that was... that. Diving into that was great. I have a feeling James probably shared with them. He seems like the kind of person who would share this fancy Fortnum basket with them. Or maybe I have a feeling they didn't give him the basket. (laughs) I think I would think that Siegfried (laughs) and Tristan ate the basket on their own. And Mrs. Hall was like, where did it all go? And James is like, what's this? (laughs) (laughs) What's this basket? It's empty. Uh, so we are going to take another quick break. And when we get back, we're going to get into the romance, the building romance between James and Helen. I'm excited. Yeah. Support for all creatures, great and small, on Masterpiece is made possible locally by WITF members and by Pleasant View Communities, UPMC, Murray, and Argiers Marathi Neurosurgical Associates of Lancaster. Welcome back to Postscript. So we are going to get into Helen and James and their budding romance. I'm so excited. (laughs) So over the course of the episode, we see them have little conversations like when James uh, comes to check on Helen after the funeral to see how she's doing and Helen flings hay at him. Um, Um, Just hay? Just hay. She flings manure at him. Oh, she flings. Did you not get that? Oh, no. I thought she's, it was hay. She's She's got the is it a pitchfork or uh, okay. a, a shovel. She's shoveling poop. Oh, I thought it was hay. I was apparently not paying attention. definitely okay, so poop. She, okay, so she shovels poop She shoveled at him. poop and threw it at him. <laughs> Which is even better. It makes more sense. That's great. <laughs> and that's why he says, I've had worse thrown at me. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> I can't believe I missed that. I can't believe you missed that. I was like, she just threw poop at him. And it's poop, like my favorite topic to talk about in all this world. (laughs) Confessions on Postscript. (laughs) Anyway, uh, so she's shoveling poop at him. And we find out that um, she feels bad for Phyllis because she knows what it's like. Jenny was around the same age as Billy when her mom passed away. Yeah. So we get like a tiny insight into that. And but... 
it and that that visit ends well because James says, "What are you doing tonight or t- tomorrow, tomorrow night? night?" And she goes, "Sounds like going out with you." And they go on She's a date. She's quick. <laughs> She's quick. No, and then he gets all goofy yes, and the goofy this... smile and goes to the wrong um, door. There's <laughs> the car. That nerd smile. I just freaking love how nerdy and blissed out he looks yes. every time he has an interaction <laughs> with her. It's so cute. It's so cute. <laughs> Later on his way to pick up Helen for the date, uh, because, of course, they're going to a fancy restaurant, he gets stuck in a ditch in a muddy puddle. And of course, because he has to go to a fancy restaurant. <laughs> right, he's not he used to, to that. his best, and he's, like, out of his element. Uh, when he arrives, Jenny just answers the door and goes, oh, dear. And when she walks, when he walks into the house, um, Helen's dad says, oh, dear, indeed. Uh, and Jenny insists on her dad lending James a pair of shoes and socks. And James is, like, real awkward about it. Um, but I thought that was Jenny, great. like, is so insistent and helpful and mature. And I thought that was really cute because she's, like, she really wants Helen to be happy and go on this date. And she wants to prove that she's, like, grown, essentially. Yeah. That she can handle out. things. But it's so <laughs> funny that he doesn't, like, that James doesn't want to take something from him. And then um, when she when he brings the shoes. Yeah. And they're, like, so old. They <laughs> they're so they're old. old. He's like, oh, I don't need to. Well, and they're probably super out of style, too, if you think about oh, it. Like, yeah. the last time he's probably worn super dressy shoes was, was when his wife was, was around. Uh, yeah. yeah. But, yeah, so it was really funny to see that. And all the times where I've told, like, Casey to just be like, hey, just borrow one of my dad's shirts or something. And he's like, no. <laughs> like, no, I have my own clothes or something you. like that when we're visiting or something. Yeah. But, like, as as girls like oh we borrow clothes all I the time I have sisters I I live in their clothes I, I, I live borrow, in my own clothes I would borrow clothing from a friend it wouldn't exactly. even it wouldn't even face it doesn't me. matter but there's this thing <laughs> there's always this thing oh but and James puts on the shoes and it's real awkward mm-hmm. uh Jenny and um Helen's dad. I should look up what his name is. I think it's Richard, if I, if I, remember, I remember from my other research. But anyways, they're both really amused by this, how awkward he is. And as they're leaving, as Helen and James are leaving, uh, James almost forgets to grab his shoes to take along. That was along. so funny. They all just laughed <laughs> They just it. laughed at him. Um, so... This is when James says that they're going to the Reniston, and Helen's like, oh, are you sure that you want to go to the Reniston? Mm-hmm. I think she feels awkward about it, but she's too kind to say anything. And yeah. James thinks that she expects it, so he's like, yeah, we're going to the Reniston. They arrive at the Reniston. So I did <laughs> I did a closer look on okay. the Reniston, um, because, hello, it's gorgeous looking. It does, I mean, it's way too fancy for me. It is. It, like, just on the outside, I'm like, whoop, nope, I wouldn't, would not fit in there. There's people outside the door waiting. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, right. So um, uh, Ripley Castle is what it's called. Okay. So it, it's real. And then I went to ripleycastle.co.uk. Oh, so, but it's not called the Reniston. In real life, it's called Ripley Castle. Yeah, okay. it's called Ripley Castle. So it's three miles from Harrogate in North Yorkshire on the edge of the Yorkshire Dales and National Park. And I have a printout, so you're going to hear yeah, me. Yeah, like, you're very prepared. carefully. I'm trying. It's just, but it's, just rustle the paper. It's, it's not fine. working. Okay, <laughs> here are my papers. So I'm going to read what their history is okay. from their website. Our history is one of the uh, political, military, religious, and social turbulence of plague and persecution of Renaissance, Enlightenment, and Industrial Revolution. It is a tale of romance, courage, loyalty, and recklessness. There is no final chapter because we are still here, (laughs) still enjoying the adventure. I thought that was super cute paragraph. That's really nice. Yeah. Yeah. So it 
dates back, and it's uh, Henry Ingleby collected taxes for Edward III and helped the king to finance the construction of Windsor Castle. Oh, wow. His brother Thomas saved the king's life and was knighted for his courage. Oh, wow. That's quite the history, yeah. Sir William held high office and served Henry VIII, Mary Tudor, and Elizabeth I through some of their darkest days. Two of his sons toured the countryside, inspiring rebellion. They were the most dangerous papists in the north of England. The blessed Francis Ingleby paid the ultimate price and was executed in 1586. James I stayed at the castle in 1603. By 1605, the Inglebys were plotting to kill him. Oh, my gosh. Nine of the 11 known conspirators of the gunpowder plot were close relations or associations of the Ingleby family. It's it gets crazy. But anyway, (laughs) that's so it's been around for like such a long time. But the, in 2009, the Ingleby family celebrated 700 years at Ripley Castle. Oh, my gosh. So 700 so years. So it's been in, like, the family that long. Yeah. Wow. Yep. That's insane. <laughs> it has. So there's more on their website. You can have a wedding there, an event there. It's probably very expensive. Probably. It there are, like, Christmas-themed activities there right now. You can oh, go to them. Cool. So like it little looks, tours and stuff. Yeah. So they do tours. Unfortunately, it's closed right now. But they open back up in 2023 Easter. Okay. So I'm thinking we can add Ripley Castle onto our tour list oh, of yes. things we need to go and tour for All Creatures right, Great and Small. Right. And it's perfect timing because, you know, season... Three will be ending around be Easter, up, yeah. and we'll be able to go visit because it'll be opened up. That's what we're aspiring to. Exactly. <laughs> Hashtag goals. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we can bring it back to the Reniston now if you want. <laughs> sure. So we're we're going back to this fictional world where it's the Reniston, mm-hmm. and um, James' suspicions are confirmed when they arrive that Hugh has taken. Uh, Oh my gosh, I forgot her name. <laughs> Helen, Helen. Multiple times though. So, Hello, Helen. Yeah, they like, know welcome her. Back. They know her really well. Uh, James asks for a table for two, and the man asks if he's staying. And James is so out of his element and so awkward that he goes, Yes. I know. Like, so, he did you? He's staying for dinner? Of course. Yeah. Did you catch that it's like a hotel too? Yeah, I okay. caught that. Um, I mean, there were luggage literally well, right, right like, next to him. There's a bellhop, and, and then yeah. people were taking luggage up the steps. I'm like, <laughs> James. He's so nervous. He's so nervous. We're going to cut him we're going to cut him some slack here. <laughs> we cut James a lot of slack so, yes. when he's nervous. Yes, he is staying <laughs> for dinner. For di- <laughs> of course I'm going to stay with her for dinner at the table for two. So that's really awkward. Um but when they're sitting, Helen asks about Mrs. Dal- Dalby and um she shares that she thinks Phyllis is capable of taking care of the farm, too. Mm-hmm. And James kind of apologizes for talking about it because he doesn't want to burden Helen. But she says, I don't feel burdened. She likes that he cares so much about the people that he's trying to help. Yeah. Um, and James asks Helen if she's ever thought of leaving, like leaving farming. And she says that she thinks about leaving farming all the time, like having clean fingernails and not shoveling muck, yeah. which, again, the poop. The muck. Oh, my gosh. Yep. The poop. There's the hint right uh, there. <laughs> but she talked about it in another episode, too, about how she didn't think of her life as being a farmer. Right. You know? Right. Well, she envisioned herself kind of going off and yes. being something else. But then yeah. when her mom died, she got tied to the farm. And the more she's involved in it, I think the more she feels tied to staying. Yes. Uh, But this is also kind of a sneaky way for James to find out if she would be 
entertaining yes. the idea of moving to Glasgow with him. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's <laughs> upfront and honest. And yeah. I, I really appreciate that about her. She's always been upfront and honest. It's really nice. Yeah. Uh, James shares his, his uh, feedback, which is that he doesn't think it needs to be so hard for Phyllis that she could sell the farm. And Helen counters with all of the memories of Billy are tied up in the farm. She kind of like goes into this whole thing that she, James just doesn't understand the difference between him leaving Glasgow versus um, Phyllis giving up everything she knows and like all of her family memories. Yeah, uh, because it, it's it, his life isn't the ground under his feet. Yeah, I mean, like, so Mrs. Dalby built the life with her husband and her kids, and her husband grew up there, and his grandfather grew up like it's right, in it's his a family. family farm. So she, everything she knows and everything, everything. he knows. Is in the farm. Everything our son knows. Yes. Yeah. It's all wrapped up in that farm. That's life and livelihood and everything. Yeah. And James's life and livelihood, he went to college. Yeah, he went so off to college. It's just it's in him. He's taking a so job. What, yeah. What he, he get did. A job. Exactly. Yeah. So what he did was, you know, he built his brain up and the knowledge of different things so that he can go off versus like I guess owning a farm and being at your farm and growing your family there and yeah and it's I a mean, big difference it is it would be different too because if James had done basically what farmers are doing he would be a dock worker like yes. his dad did it so he did it and exactly this is their home and he's never leaving and his son will do this too or mm-hmm. so yeah she she they kind of counter and it's kind of a an awkward moment you can sense there's a little bit of tension so this date didn't go Exactly like he a tough first date was hoping it was an, it was an argument <laughs> right you know, they they had um, a difference of opinion yes it was it was an it wasn't a fight it was a tiff it was like yeah I know the description of this episode is that they fought over it it was more of a disagreement it wasn't too dramatic <laughs> it wasn't too was dramatic but there was tension and yeah. um, again we don't see like just like the ball we didn't see how it ended right you know and yeah. I was like oh man. Yeah, like, come on, why give me come, more. Why does he come back so frustrated? I know. Give me yeah. more of them. So it's just a little taste. Mm-hmm. Um, in between the date and James seeing Helen again, uh, he goes to see the Dalbys. And, you know, Mrs. Dalby kind of explains, like, no, she can't. She has to save this for her son. So after that, he goes back to visit Helen and he says, I get it now. Mm-hmm. Phyllis is determined to keep going. And I understand why you would never want to leave either. And Helen invites James to sit with her on her mom's favorite spot on the roof. <laughs> and she shares memories of eating lunch with her mom and her mom pointing out, that's where you took your first steps. This is where you like, mm-hmm. what did your first lambing, I think is one of the yeah. things. That's where I told your dad that I was pregnant with you and his grin filled up his face. And this is when I like start crying every time I watch the episode. <laughs> <laughs> it's so cute. And uh, yeah, James understands it. And they have this really, really sweet passionate tender kiss and i was like love it i love it but i'm also (laughs) sobbing a little bit so it's a really awkward moment watching this at home uh with my fiance (laughs) that's fine i'm always like an emotional mess uh about these things um but so well it brings back memories right it does it does did it bring up any memories for you so i i was thinking like what are these places that like hold a really special meaning to me Mm mm-hmm and one of them that came to mind <laughs> is when I was little, like little, little, probably five or six, which Aww. is when my memories actually started staying in my head. <laughs> um, my dad used to um, take, well, do some basic maintenance around a building that his his mom and dad lived in, my grandma and pappy. 
And he would shovel coal. <laughs> he would shovel coal into the coal furnace, the coal run furnace. And I had my own tiny shovel, Christina-sized shovel, that was probably like, <laughs> I don't know, I was probably under three feet tall. So it was a tiny shovel. But I was helping him shovel this coal from a big coal pile onto this coal furnace. And uh, I have weirdly happy memories of doing this with him, even though it sounds like hard labor. It is hard when labor. When I'm saying that out loud. Yeah. <laughs> But it's it's a good memory of you, and yeah. you know it's it's a good childhood yeah, re- memory that you have. I remember it very fondly. I also I think had a little snow shovel too, and he put me to work shoveling snow when I was tiny. So I just had miniature shovels everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> That's adorable. Thank you for sharing yeah. that. So, um, what are you looking forward to going into the next episode? I really just want to see where James and Helen go. Yeah. I'm guessing somewhere good in. at this. I am. I am. <laughs> Sorry, Hugh. Sorry. No, she's Neville. she's gonna be she's gonna be happy. She's gonna be happy with James. I feel confident. I also am mm-hmm. excited to see more of Diana because yes. Siegfried and Diana are apparently an official item now. Well, I mean he's dating. I guess he's dating, he's which is dating. not courting. <laughs> he's caught up on the lingo. He's dating. Yeah. So I'm interested to see where that goes. Right. I do like um Mrs. Hall's friend though. Is it Dorothy? Oh, Dorothy. Yeah. I do like we her. We haven't heard about Dorothy since episode Mm-mm. one, I think. I think so. When she like offers to send a letter for uh, Siegfried. Yeah, because she, well, Dorothy's writing him, but he's not responding. Right. I think. Maybe he's not good at juggling. Maybe he's not quite as Tristany I as guess, we, yeah. we suspect. Tristany is, like, maybe Tristan is not, a juggler. Maybe he's not a complete player. <laughs> he just, or he just has no clue what he's doing. So that's also possible. It has been a while since he's been in the romance game. It has been. Yes, um, that's true. Also, like I don't know. We haven't we haven't seen any like mention of Mrs. Hall's. Oh, what was his name? My memory is so bad. Mr. Hammond, nice clock man. Yes, Mr. Mr. Hammond. <laughs> we haven't heard any mention of him, but I'm wondering if he'll come back too. It's always in the back of my yeah. mind because I want her to. I want, want her, her to be, be happy. happy yeah. Oh, look at that. Yeah, we both just want Mrs. Hall Jinx, to be happy. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, well, thanks for listening to Postscripts from WITF. We love watching along with you episode to episode. That's right. And if you have moments you love or wonder about, share your afterthoughts with us at postscript at WITF.org or email us at ps at WITF.org. This podcast was produced by Ali Amaros for WITF. I'm Christina Ziders. And I'm Beth Capello. We'll see you next time. Bye. We'd like to thank Pleasant View Communities, UPMC, Murray, Argiers Marathi Neurosurgical Associates of Lancaster, and WITF members for supporting all creatures great and small on WITF. Thank you.